I believe we're in that hour. I want you to take your Bible and go with me to two places today. I want to share something with you. The Lord's already given his altar call, but I, I, want, I want to share something with you today that I hope that will encourage you and it will challenge you today. Uh, but as you, I want you to go to Galatians, the second chapter, and we've been camped out here at this passage for uh, a number of weeks now. And then I want you to go to Deuteronomy, the first chapter. Uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, Galatians 2, and then we're going to go over to Deuteronomy 1. Father, I magnify your name, and Lord, I'm so grateful for your faithfulness, Lord, for your holiness. I'm so grateful, Lord God, for the power that you give us by the Holy Spirit and the blood and the word. I thank you, Lord God, that you have counted us worthy, Lord, to call us in a day and an hour such as this. And Lord, I just pray today that revelation knowledge, even as I minister the word, I pray that revelation knowledge will come to our heart, that we will hear what you are saying to us in this hour. I thank you for every soul, for every individual that is here present with us, for those that are, that are listening online. I thank you, Lord, today for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look here at Galatians 2 in verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, notice this, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And we've been talking about the exchange life. A change life is an exchange life. My life for his, his life for mine. As we look at this, what we see is God has given us the power over sin, over Satan, and most especially over self. If we didn't have the power to overcome self, then we would continue to fall back into the same pits of sin that we crawled out of. The Lord reached down deep and pulled me out of, a, out of a, the miry clay, out of a place that was uh, self-destructive. Every one of us are self-destructive by nature. If you're left to yourself, you are not made to govern yourself. And the fear many times that grips our heart is we feel like it's all about us, that if we have a strong enough will, a, a strong enough countenance that we can get through this. But I say to you, you've got to surrender your will to his will and let his power work in you. Stop trying to please God in your flesh and start walking by the Spirit of the Lord. Most generally, if you want to know how to walk by the Spirit of the Lord, just do the opposite of what your flesh, your old, old man is telling you to do. If the old man, he doesn't want to get up and go to church on Sunday. He doesn't want to read his Bible on Monday. He doesn't want to pray in the hour of prayer. He doesn't want to witness. He doesn't want to do a lot of things. But if I didn't do, uh, if I only did the things I wanted to do, I'd be somewhere else. It didn't work that way. So as we look here, it's the exchange life. We found the power that we discovered. And I'm not going to go into great detail. There's some place I want to go today. But we are buried in Christ. So my sins are taken care of. I've also been, I, I have raised with Christ. And now the power that worked in Christ now abides in us. But also we are seated with Christ. Jesus sat down, not because he was tired. It's because the work was finished. 
When you get to the place to realize that the work is complete, that you don't need to do anything else, but the work begins to work in you. The Spirit of God begins to move in and through you. But as we look here, we see that Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, and he is saying to them, the life that I live now, I live by faith. It is a faith walk. Faith, true faith, church, hear me again. True faith will only attach itself to Jesus. True faith will only attach itself to Jesus. His sacrifice and what he has done. But we clued in on the fact, where do I find rest in my spirit, in my heart, in my home, in my mind? The Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in him. What are we trusting in? Paul gives us the indication. He gives us the revelation right here. The life that I now live is in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The confidence that I have is not in my ability to be a righteous person through my works. My confidence comes from the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in knowing that God loves me. I made you repeat that last week. I hope some of you grabbed hold of that in your prayer time and in your devotions and through your walk in the week. God loves me. Say that with me. God loves me. Say it again. God loves me. You may not love you, but God loves you. Others may have told you that the Lord, that nobody likes you, but let me tell you, you don't need to worry because God loves you. And by faith, you attach yourself to that. How do you know that God loves you? It's because he showed you 2,000 years ago when he died upon a cross. And the knowledge, church, of that love will transform your life. It'll change your attitude about others. It'll change your walk. It'll change where you go. It'll change how you talk. It'll change everything. But if we do not come to comprehension of that revelation that God loves us, we are going to be hindered. And I know that many of you, we look at the landscape and the headlines and we see as I pray about that as much as you pray about that and say, Lord, where are we at? And prepare our hearts. And Lord, what do we need to do? And the Lord just keeps drawing me back. My life for yours, your life for mine. You are crucified, but nevertheless you live. Now you live by faith in me. Where does the church need to be? It needs to be in faith in Christ, not faith in economics, not faith in politics, not faith in opinions, not faith in denominations, but faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, and him crucified, him risen again, and him sitting at the right hand of the Father. Where do we fix our faith? We put our faith in his love and in his completed work. Now as we look, I want you to see something here. As we look at the contrast of 
of knowing God's love and not knowing God's love. The book of Deuteronomy was written for our example, along with all the other scriptures in the word of God. Those things were accounted so that you and I could look at that and see spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally where we need to land and how we need to walk. Deuteronomy 1. I want to read a, a number of verses here. Deuteronomy 1 and 26. Deuteronomy 1 and 26. Now this is Moses recounting the history of Israel from the time of their bondage in Egypt to the time that they would go into the land of promise. They have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and now these they're getting their marching orders, but also it's a, it's a recollecting of what has what taken place. And so here is Moses, and he is recounting. He's retelling the story, and he's giving them some insight. Deuteronomy 1 and verse 26. Yet you were not willing to go up. This is after they decided they wanted to send spies into the land. They sent 12 in. 10 came back with a bad report. And this is where Moses begins to share he said, yet you were not willing to go up into the place of promise, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. You murmured in your tents. What does that mean for you and I? Murmured in our tents, in our homes, when nobody else was looking. The, the flap was closed, it was tied off. Didn't think anybody heard what you were saying. But the Lord heard what you were saying just a thought you were in your tents and you said because the Lord hates us he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the land of the Amorites to destroy us where shall we go up our brothers have discouraged our hearts saying the people are greater taller than we the cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of Anakites. Then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he shall fight for you. Just as all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness. Were you saw how, where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. Now, there was a misconception that brought forth a defamation of God's character. And his delivering power of Israel. And I hate to say many of us fall into this pit when we're faced with circumstances bigger than ourselves. They were at this place and they were ready to cross into the place of promise. God had delivered them, challenged all of the gods of Egypt. Maybe what's going on today is more than just occurrences that are taking place. And maybe there is a, 
in the midst of all of this, maybe the Lord is challenging some of the gods of the Egypt we live today. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't take away, nor do I relish in the idea of any person suffering in any measure of disease. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying to you is that as they look at this, God, before he could get Israel out of Egypt, he challenged every God that Egypt worshipped. And I don't know about you, but I got a sneaky feeling uh, that the Lord is bringing the church out of the world, which Egypt represents, to bring her into a place of promise. So there's a discomfort that's taking place, and now the Lord challenges 10 different gods of Egypt. God challenged every one of them, and he brought Israel out by miraculous signs and wonders. Uh, He brought them through the Red Sea. The Red Sea devoured the armies. The enemy thought he was going to chase Israel uh, out uh, and destroy her in the wilderness, but instead, uh, the door that God opened for Israel, he closed over the nation of Egypt and destroyed Pharaoh's armies. Now, 40 years or 11-day journey from that point to the place of promise. Now they are getting ready to enter in, and somebody comes up with the idea, let's go spy out the land. Sounds good, Moses said. Y'all go. For 40 days they spent inside the, the, the land of promise and came back and said, here's the fruit, and it's all the fruit that you said, but it's filled with all of these enemies. And they are bigger than us. They are greater than us. And we cannot defeat them. And every one of those individuals went and the ten spies, they went and they discouraged the land of Israel. The people of Israel, they went into their tent and they concluded the reason why they were challenged. It was because God hated them. How many of you have ever been at that place come on being come on there's some honest but you've been at that place and your go-to and your challenge was challenging the faith of the in the love of God who gave himself for you and see God they concluded God hates us and in so doing in that conclusion these things are happening because God hates me they were not allowed into the place a promise because they had an idea that God did not love them. Understanding God's love versus misunderstanding God's love brings me into or it keeps me out of the promises of God. Do you see that? Do you? God hates me and thus they were not allowed to go in. Because the enemies that they would be facing, they would be cha- that love would be challenged. And it's a day that we're living, folks, where we've got to realize and ask the Spirit of the Lord to reveal the love of Jesus Christ to us. Because it's in the faith in that love that I realize what has taken place is that God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son so that I would not perish but I may have everlasting life. It is personal. 
When it becomes personal, it becomes powerful. But you can't just go to church and look at the cross and hear the songs and, 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 and sing along and, and not walk out defeated the same way you came in. But oh, when the Spirit of the Lord begins to reveal to you that this is personal, that when Jesus Christ died, he died for you. Wait just a minute. That changes everything. Because now we understand his love because he Gave himself for me. Now, this is going to get a, a bit more challenging. Are you good? Are you up for this? So if I understand his love, if I understand his love, I don't have to work to get it. He just gives it. He loves me. I don't have to earn his love. Because he paid the sacrifice that I could ever pay. I'm, I just rest in knowing that God loves me. Now let me describe to you, before I get further into this, let me describe to you the love that I'm talking about. Now, I know that there is a lot of, lot of things that are said. Like a, a scripture out of context, all things work together for good. No, it doesn't. All things work together for good. Not unless you add this last part of that scripture. To they that love God and called according to his purpose. There's a lot of things in my life that were not working to my good. They just weren't. The abuse I suffered as a child was not working to my good. The self-destructive behavior that I was involved in and the, and the drugs and the alcohol and the relationships, they were not working to my good. Until I came into a love relationship with Jesus Christ. And now all of a sudden, all those things that define me before, God uses as weaponry against the enemy. And they work out for good for the kingdom of God because Jesus lives inside of here. But there is a statement that goes around. One love. No. <laughs> The love I have for my wife is different than the love that I have for my brothers and sisters in Christ. The love I have for my children is different uh, than the love I have for my wife. There is love, folks, uh, that is, requires a response from you. In order for us to walk in that natural love, it's, it's filio, it's brotherly love. I love you because you love me. And it's not hard to love those that love you. It's a bit more challenging to love those that don't love you. And that's where we come to a supernatural, selfless love. And that love can only be lived to its fullness in Christ because God is love. He's not going to change who he is because that is who he is. He is love. And in Corinthians, we see here a description of his love in chapter 10. This is the love, the agape love of God. This is, this is the love that trumps all loves. This is the love that we can't fathom until the Holy Spirit sheds abroad in our heart this kind of love 
And this is how God sees you. And this is where we put our faith in him because this is the love that I am incapable of until Christ comes inside of my heart. Love is patient and kind. Do you believe that love out there today, a humanly Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. Any couples therapy we need to go into today? I did the dishes last. Well, I took out the trash, mowed the yard, cleaned the house. I'm telling you, you'll never get anywhere with those checklists. You might as well wad them up and throw them away. Amen? Just not going to get you anywhere. It does not demand its own way. It is not irrit- irritable. Do you think the love that the world is talking about today is going to stop the irritability of our society? We live in a world that is irritated aggravated. I can't stand that laying on the floor at home and pick that up. We, we live in a world that is totally in chaos. They're not walking in the love of Christ, nor can they. It's the church's obligation. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoice whatever truth wins out. Love never fails, never loses faith. It is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. If you feel yourself falling down, crumbling on the inside, that you are facing situations that no other generation may have faced at this moment in time, but rest assured that the love of God is going to fuel the heart of the people of God, and the church is going to fall more madly in love with Jesus than she ever has, because I see that's the only way to get to where we need to go in order for a harvest to be won, in order to reach the heart of the Father, we must walk in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, as you look at this, see the, if I don't fully comprehend that God loves me, then I'm not going to walk in peace that God has in store for me. See, in order for me to walk in peace, I've got to know that God loves me. We can back that up scripturally, can't we? There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. I want you to know this revelation that God renewed in my spirit that he loves me changed my thought life of recent. Preacher, I thought you were perfect. Well, news alert. I'm flesh and blood just like you. We get so busy with the with the the work of the kingdom of God. 
we get so one step, task oriented, check the boxes, keep it moving. Let's, what do we need? Where are we going? What needs to take place? Uh, what's the next step? You get so encumbered in that, you can forget that God loves you. And when you come to that revelation, it doesn't make any difference what's going on around you anymore because now all of a sudden, that fear that sometimes drives us is not driving us anymore. In fact, it is running to us and bouncing off of us because there's a force field and a, and a shield around our heart of faith that trusts in the love of God. If you will ask the Lord to show you personally how much he loves you you can walk in peace it doesn't mean that fear may not come knocking at your door you some of you got to, you've got freedom in this altar you came down here and god altered your heart your situation he's closed some doors and he's opened some others but it doesn't mean that the enemy of fear may not come knocking at your door again but the Lord will give you the strength to say, I hear you, but I ain't listening. I ain't opening the door. I'm keeping that door closed. Let me tell you about, don't, don't you want to talk about the things that you regret? Not today. I'm in Jesus. Don't you want to talk about the shame of all the sin that you committed? No, because I'm buried with Christ and I have risen again in him. And now I am seated with the Lord and I don't have to work for this thing anymore because I am in peace with Christ. Now, I've got two hours of message left. So don't miss next Sunday. Give it. Any preachers in the house? I just want to give it. I can't take it. Here's the, they stayed out of the promised land because they didn't have an understanding of God's love. They believed God hated them. Thus, they didn't walk in the promises of God. Now, Joshua and Caleb, those guys stuck around, and they believed that the Lord, and in fact, Joshua was one that said, look, hey, why would God bring us this far, guys? Come on. Why, why, would he, why would he challenge all the, 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 the gods in Egypt and, and do this miraculous show and bring us through the Red Sea and, and lead us by night with a pillar of fire and a cloud by day? He shadowed us for the sun's rays. He provided what no other nation or generation had ever seen. Manna, what is it? Exactly, just bread that came up, looked like coriander seed. They gathered it every day. You could eat as much as you wanted to quail at night you could just you water by the rock why would God do all of that church and then say to us on the 
final finish line before we cross the goal to score, he just say, well, church, I'm sorry, but you've done too much. You've just too useless. I, I'm going to leave you out of my promises. Oh, no, church, let me tell you what the promise of the Lord is. There's a harvest of souls that are going to come into the kingdom of God. God's reaching into hearts. He's reaching into homes. He's going to pull them out in these dark hours that we're living. He didn't bring us to the brink and then just say, oh, forget it. No, it's going to be the finest hour the church has ever seen. Oh, I'm not telling you, I promise you, it's going to be cushions on the seat and air conditioning blowing softly upon our, our brow. Let me tell you, there might be a little bit of challenge come our way, but rest assured, we have no other resolve but to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and put our trust in him. And the only reason I struggle with fear is because I'm holding on. You can't struggle with something that you let go of. Do your defense mechanism like I do with Jacob. He's finally stopped crawling in my lap. Close your ears, Jacob. He crawls up in my lap, and I just play dead. He gets tired of manhandling me, and then he goes on to something else. He knows I can't handle him. I can only get a bigger stick. <laughs> Understanding God's love versus misunderstanding. Understanding his love brings me in to promise. Causes me to walk in peace, not in torment. But the last point I want to make compels me to his mission. Or, if I don't have an understanding of God's love, then I devalue my contribution to the kingdom. And this is where my concern that many that walk into the house of God, sit down and call themselves children of God, may be living today. See, because when you come to the revelation of the love of God, now you're responsible for that love. You're obligated to that love. You now have the compulsion of the Holy Spirit to let that love flow through you. As long as you can continue with that narrative in your tent that you think nobody sees, God hates me, God hates me, God hates me, God hates me, and thus I have been released from the responsibility of being a participant in the body of Christ and the kingdom work. Folks, when you come to the revelation that Jesus Christ loves you, it doesn't mean that you go back out the same way that you came in. The reason... God poured his spirit in you so that he can pour his spirit through you and God is love and God is a selfless sacrificial God and it's a sad reality is that we 
bring people into the doors and set them on the pews and say, take it in, take it in, take it in. But if you don't ever let it out, then you are going to end up being a dead sea and not a red sea. A dead sea has an inlet with no outlet and nothing grows there. And then we're shocked to say, oh, you mean to tell me that there's some responsibility on my part as a child of God? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Because when you come to the revelation that Jesus Christ's love is what compelled him to sacrifice himself on the cross for you individually. It not only becomes personal, it becomes powerful, it becomes permanent and it will become passionate because you understand God loves me. Lord, you can have it all. You can take it all. You can, is anybody hearing this? There is a responsibility, church, that you have when it comes to the love of Jesus Christ. We keep his commandments, and they're not, they're not dreary. They're not irksome. They're not burdensome. We keep his commands because he loves us, and we love him. Now I'm responsible. And there are folks that are here today and you've been saying in your tent, and you thought nobody heard. I didn't hear you. God heard you. God heard this. You say that I hate you. Look at my cross and say that again. See, there's a rebellion, and I won't get into it today. It's the second half of this message. I will tell you this, there is a we are living in the age of the mystery of lawlessness. Amen. And there is a love in lawlessness. It's not a love for anybody else. It's not a love for God. It's a love of self. And it says, I will not come under any kind of authority. I will not hold any responsibility. You cannot commit me to anything. In fact, I don't want any person of any authority telling me what I can or cannot do. And let me tell you, that's the spirit of the Antichrist, and he is after the authority of the church. He's after the authority of the believer. But let me tell you, if we're going to walk in the authority of Christ, we got to know who Christ is. And let me tell you, those individuals that are going out there today, wreaking, wreaking havoc upon the land being controlled by the by the spirit of antichrist they're getting ready because they're going to meet the real christ they're going to either meet him in this life or the life to come but he will not be defeated because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world greater is the god that we serve than the gods of this world now let me ask you something and i am closing There are many times horrific things that happen in our life, as many of us well know, that can so distort our view of others and our, distort our view of God. And we can go along for a while, listen into this narrative, God hates me, God hates me, God hates me, God hates me. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. 
until we come encounter with his love. And now, to fully receive his love and to live in the fullness of Christ, I've got to give myself to him. And instead of throwing in the towel, quitting, walking away, finding other recreational activities to do. Because now when I realize his love, I'm responsible. I know that's a curse word. That's more than four letters, but it's a, it's a word that the world doesn't want to hear. Responsibility. I'm responsible for his love. If that responsibility means I've got to treat people like he would treat them through his power. It means that I, I have to do what he asked me to do because I love him. He loves me. And it's that love relationship that changes everything. I hope and pray this is reaching into somebody's heart. But if you're here today and you would say, man, that's me. God, I want to know your love and I want to be responsible for that love. I want you to stand up right where you're at. I, I want to know your love and I want to be responsible for that love. I, I want these voices that tell me that you hate me are going to stop and the voice of your spirit is going to tell me that you love me. There's enough person standing today to alter nations and generations. Father, we come before you today. By faith, we trust in your love. By faith, we believe, Lord God, that you not only love us, but Lord, you like us. And you counted us, Lord God, worthy by your sacrifice to put us in the, this land this day to be a light and a witness for you. Lord, help me, help us understand what it means to be responsible for the agape love of the Lord. It is a selfless love. It is a sacrificial love. It is a kind love. It is a non-record-keeping love. It shows up, Lord God. It is present, Lord. It is a love that keeps us going when nothing else will. It is a love that says, if there's a job need be done, I'll do it, Lord. It is a, it is a love that says, I'm all yours and you're all mine. Lord, I pray that you will give us such revelation of your love. Jesus' name. Now, could you stand in this room with me right now? You've already done it one time, so you should be comfortable. Everybody else besides you is going to be doing it. So throw them off and just throw your hands up too. I want us to pray right now for our nation. I want us to pray right now for generations. And I want us to pray for truth. And for a harvest of souls. 
and for the Antichrist spirit that is driving many of the things that we are hearing to be revealed, I want you right now to lift your hearts and your hands. Father, we come before you with our hands lifted up, with our hands lifted up, surrendering to your love, surrendering to this day. Lord, we are only angst, oh God, when we are concerned about what it's going to cost us. Let us see what it costs you. Let us realize, Lord God, that we are living in a day that we are privileged to live in. Because, Lord God, you're going to do things in us and through us that our forefathers only dreamed of. Lord, I believe that there's an angelic host, Lord God, as Andrea prophesied a couple of weeks ago. That, Lord, is going to be right there on our side. I believe the word is going to go forth like it's never gone forth before. I believe, Lord, that there's going to be power, the spirit of the Lord, that's going to move in and through. But, Father, I pray today as we surrender, we pray for the health and well-being, Lord God, of those that are afflicted by this disease. Those, the Lord God, that have been bombarded in their mind about the financial crisis. Those that have been gripped with fear, Lord God, over the, over the landscape. And Lord, we surrender, Lord God, the battle into your hands. And we surrender, Lord Jesus, to your love. And God's people said, Amen.